This is an ABC podcast. And it's wonderful having your company wherever you are in Tasmania or potentially beyond if you're tuning in on the Listen app. This afternoon, we are taking a closer look at what we can expect from a new ACCC inquiry into supermarket practices and pricing. For me, it's this simple. When farmers are selling their product for less, supermarkets should be charging Australians at the checkout less. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announcing a 12-month inquiry at yesterday's National Press Club. Will it make a difference and what do local farmers make of the announcement? That's coming up. Also this hour, you'll meet a farmer who has used his tractor's GPS system to carve out a map of Australia in his paddock. It was a coincidence of experimenting with GPS as a hobby, um, having a paddock the perfect shape for, for the country and then having, um, having Australia to come up as well. It's Friday, it's Australia Day, Evan Wallace is my name, and this is the Tasmanian Country Hour. Mornings with Leon Compton. Uh, it doesn't get much bigger than that. This is big news. This is incredible news, in fact. Now we're talking Tasmania. The word has got out as far away as England. But Mr Crawford, please pass on Our Majesty's heartfelt congratulations to Mr Compton. Leon Compton. I think it's been four or five years in the making. So the super guide, Nick Crawford, has helped me to my first... Leon Compton. I am a man. Back on Monday from 8.30. That's done. On ABC Northern Tasmania. It is six minutes past 12. Good afternoon to you. Yesterday, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese revealed Australia's consumer watchdog, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, will conduct an inquiry into supermarkets. He also announced the government will fund consumer organisation choice to help shoppers find the best deal. Let's have a listen to what Mr Albanese had to say at the National Press Club yesterday. And today I announce that the Treasurer will be directing the ACCC to conduct a 12-month price inquiry into the supermarket industry. The ACCC has significant powers and it is the best and most effective body to investigate supermarket prices, to look at how things like online shopping, loyalty programs and changes in technology are impacting competition in the industry. And to examine the difference between the price paid at the farm gate and the prices that people are paying at the checkout. For me, it's this simple. When farmers are selling their product for less, supermarkets should be charging Australians at the checkout less. Today I also announced that the government will fund consumer organisation choice to provide shoppers with a clear understanding of how supermarkets are performing on this score. Because across thousands of products it can be hard for people to find the best deal. We are back in choice, renowned for their commitment to consumer fairness, to provide clear and regular information on prices across a basket of goods. This will promote transparency, enhance competition and drive value. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese there speaking at the National Press Club. What do you make of the announcement and what do you make of the inquiry? Will it make a difference? Is this 12-month inquiry what you are hoping to see? Or perhaps you are looking for action much sooner. You can tell me on 0438 922 936. That's 0438 922 936. Now, the ACCC's chair, Gina Cascotlib, has said that growth 
grocery prices have become a major concern for millions of Australians. She also went on to say that many farmers are concerned about the weak correlation between the price they receive for produce and the price consumers pay for at the checkout. So what's the response to this query looking like uh, at, um, at a local level? That is a question. I'm really, really keen to hear your thoughts and perspectives, particularly considering that the inquiry is looking at the practices of supermarkets, wholesale, farm gate and retail prices. National Farmers Federation President David Yohinki told Jane McNaughton a long-term whole-of-supply chain solution is needed from the inquiry and not just a silver bullet aimed at major supermarkets. We are always concerned that farmers haven't got the ability to negotiate against larger organisations within that supply chain that can basically either make you take it or leave it or give you a few other options to be able to get your food to market. So for us, yes, we want to make sure that as many aspects of, once again, the supply chain are covered and those circumstances where farmers are getting a raw deal, those can be exposed And if it's a contractual agreement, that those contracts can be more favourable for producers. But if it's a a quality or if it's a, a specifications issue that we can both have different avenues to sell this produce or even to the fact that consumers can have a choice between if they want to have a standard supermarket product or, a, or an item that's smaller or larger than that because it's still good food and can still be consumed, but it may not be to a certain specification or standard. This is a 12-month inquiry. There's farmers right now who are struggling to get by. There's also people not being able to afford food in the supermarkets. So is 12 months too long? Once again, this is the the dilemma we sit in. Everyone's wanting a silver bullet solution that they can click their fingers and will solve this overnight. Unfortunately, that's not on the agenda and that's not going to happen. What we've got is a long-term issue that needs a long-term strategy to solve it. Any short-term solutions will not get the long-term effect that we want. So unfortunately, I can't foresee the prices of food um, being remedied by this in within the 12 months. But it hopefully, we'll start by having that conversation, making people more aware of where does your food come from? When you purchase food, who are you supporting? And then more so, what, what are you actually buying? What is the value of that produce that you're, you're purchasing? In the rural sector, we've been speaking about price discrepancies for a while, but the fact that this is now on the Prime Minister's agenda and has been making national news headlines for the last few weeks, how does that make you feel? Look, this is really good news in the sense that finally we've been able to get some cut through and for people to understand that this isn't easy fix problem or a or a, an issue that's just related to farmers. This has been an ongoing battle and has caused great frustration throughout the agricultural sector for and, and communities for a very long time. So to have it front and centre with the leader of Australia is good news. For us now, we need to make sure this is done in the best possible terms of reference to make sure that we're not leaving anyone behind in this conversation and that we don't rush to try to have a silver bullet fix. It's 12 minutes past 12. This is the Tasmanian Country Hour, and that was David Johinke speaking to reporter Jane McNaughton. A very clear message there from the National Farmers Federation president. Long-term planning and solutions required. What do you think? You can tell me on 0438 922 936. Will this inquiry, well, will it make a difference? 
on air, on the ABC Listen app, online and on digital radio. This is the Country Hour with Evan Wallace from ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania. Nathan Richardson grows veggies, poultry and sheep at Thilstay near Devonport. He's also the chair of Taz Farmers Vegetable Council. Nathan, a very good afternoon to you. Yeah, happy Australia Day. Uh, also doing a live cross for you, Ewan, from uh, Henley on the Mersey in Latrobe. So, <laughs> great day. Oh, it sounds like the atmosphere there is just great. So what's happening there at the moment? Oh, look, you've got your choice between uh, the ferret racing, uh, the wood chopping, uh, medieval sword fighting, uh, good old uh, Noughts and Crosses kids games. Uh, there's a couple of live bands, uh, and uh, it's hard to go past all the all the good food and beverages here. It's, it's, it's a pretty good day, I've got to tell you. Brilliant. I am looking forward to seeing some footage of the ferret races a little bit later this afternoon. I know that is one of the big highlights of the day. That's great. Hey, Nathan, yeah. let, let's bring things back to the ACCC inquiry. Now, we're still waiting on the terms of reference, but what do you make of what you've heard so far? Look, we've had some really good commentary from, uh, you know, people all around the country and, you know, top top level uh, organisations like we just heard from David and, uh, you know, I've heard from key players here in Tassie and uh, whether the terms of reference go far enough, Ewan, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're a free market economy and the comments have been made several occasions that, you know, no one's got a gun to their head to, to sell to the, the supermarkets or any other outlet and uh, we probably need to be a little bit cautious as to what we're um, wanting to achieve in the inquiry and whether it actually has any real outcomes that are going to benefit, you know, the processor, the packer, the grower, the, the transport company, the, the wholesaler, everyone in the chain. It's, it's, um, it's a fair web to, to deal with. It sounds as though there's some scepticism there on your end. Do you think the inquiry will make a difference? Ewan, you know, I've been representing Tassie farmers, um, you know, for near on 25 years now, and I've, I've sat through the release of white papers and green papers and uh, spent countless hours uh, writing submissions and, and uh, meeting various ministers from both sides of politics and and all different colours of, of, of Canberra and state um, bodies. You know, um, it, it's, it's going to be a tough one to, to get a win here in this situation. I think it's probably 30 years too late. Uh, there's so much market power and dominance by a, by a handful of companies in Australia and, uh, you know, if we're going to have an inquiry into into something like this, then maybe we should cast the net a little bit wider and have a look at, you know, the tens or hundreds of billions of dollars profit that's been made elsewhere in the economy and whether that's appropriate as well. Um, but that probably won't happen. So I'm a bit of a realist. I don't think it's going to do much, but that's just my opinion. You are listening to the Tasmanian Country Hour. I'm speaking with Nathan Richardson, who is the chair of Tas Farmers Vegetable Council. We know that the relationship between producers and supermarkets has been one that uh, has been full of contest uh, and also concern too. Uh, the Prime Minister indeed echoed those concerns yesterday at the National Press Club. That concern uh, that was shared by the Prime Minister, is it something that's being shared by other growers and conversations that you're having, Nathan Richardson? 
I think, uh, you know, you get a lot of different comments from, from people in the market. Um, relationships are everything in business. And, and I know from the, from the people I know along the northwest coast here that have direct supply agreements or, or through a, a distribution outlet with the supermarkets, you can say as a whole there's good relationships had. Um, but there's, there's also the underlying pressure uh, to meet uh, the quality control and the guidelines and that's what puts the pressure back on, on the supplier and uh, you know we can also look at the the rise of the private label on the supermarket shelf and that's that's done enormous damage to the to the smaller producer where it's diminished their identity in the marketplace and uh, you know the retail outlets don't own um, farms and, and grow produce and and process you know livestock and goods but uh, all these goods are in their bag and that that really does put a lot of pressure onto the producer because they don't have an identity um, so like everyone else said yeah the terms of reference are going to be pretty important Thinking about those terms of reference and what the inquiry looks at, understand that you do want a broader focus and that's something that seems pretty clear in, in your initial response and reaction to the inquiry. If you really had to pinpoint it down to a few areas that you wish that the inquiry was looking at, what would they be? I, I think the inquiry uh, really needs to... Uh, probably double down on exactly what what economy and what marketplace we have in Australia, and we you know we've heard from several prime ministers over decades that we operate a free market economy, and the market decides who's who lives and who dies in business, and that's that's the way it is. So we can't be portraying a position where are we suggesting you know we have a socialist or a communist style marketplace where that's just not realistic. There's no government can, can tell a business what to charge or, or what to pay someone. Um, unfortunately, when we're running a business such as a farm, we are told what, what to pay people in the award rates of pay and all the regulations and, and stipulations that, that go with running a business. So maybe the inquiry should look at uh, maybe some of, the, some of the really tough regulations that we have in the employment space in Australia because it's all part of it and uh, when we have things like minimum award hourly rates that have, have gone up and, and the destruction of peace rates and uh, the huge pressures that go on to small businesses to employ people it's it's really tough so mm -hmm. there's so many facets to this inquiry it's not a simple as as looking as to why one retail outlet made a, a heap of money and cheaper ten dollars a kilo in the sale yards and forty dollars a kilo in the butcher shop that's that's a simplistic way to look at it and uh there's a lot more going on behind the scene very very similar outlook to the one taken by david joe hinky so i take it then yep. if the inquiry landed on a position that there should be some price controls put in place by federal government that is something that would be uh, rather unimpressive for you i, I just don't it couldn't work. Uh, it'd be re restrictive to work. Um, like I said before, uh, there's no no one politician, no side of government can, can claim any brownie points uh, against each other in this. Um, they've all had a hand to play in it. 
and uh, the, 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 the horse is well and truly bolted in the Australian marketplace, particularly around uh, the retail sector uh, and how farmers and producers and packers and processors are, are treated. Um, but you know, Ewan, we never heard from the consumer group lobbyists when dollar a litre milk hit the shelves. There wasn't a there wasn't a uh, inquiry into that and the pressure. Um, you know, that closed farms, that, that shut down towns, that people were as out of work. Um, we haven't heard from the consumer group lobbyists complaining about the loss leading tactics that the uh, retail outlets uh, uh, have on a daily basis where um, good, goods, fresh fruit, vegetables and, and protein products like chicken and pork are sold at below cost day after day. Um, so there's no uproar from that. So it's only when things have got really bad like they are now that we seem to be uh, getting some action. Um, whereas many of us have been trying to bang the drum about this for, for 30 years. Nathan, I appreciate your views and perspectives this afternoon. Thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your time at La Trobe. Will do. Happy Australia Day. There we go. Nathan Richardson there. He's having an excellent time in La Trobe, going off to see the ferrets in action shortly with his views on the ACCC inquiry into supermarket practices and pricing that was announced yesterday by Prime Minister Albanese at the National Press Club. Hey, thank you very much, Steve, for your thoughts. You've said supermarkets have to pay for transport, wages, refrigeration, packing, insurance, construction. The list is endless. Steve, thank you for your insights and your thoughts on the inquiry. And John, you've said part of the supermarket inflated retail price problem are blanket advertising costs, then unrealistic customer expectations, that is the uh, cosmetic appearance of fruit and vegetable that is partly driven by advertising, and not least the cost of in-store product presentation and customer monitoring. John, you're on Ferntree. Thank you for your thoughts there. And you can share yours on 0438 922 936. What do you make of the 12-month ACCC inquiry that has been announced by the Prime Minister looking at supermarket practices and pricing, the relationship between farm gate prices and consumer prices would welcome your views on that number, which is 0438 922 936. Help your child learn to read in just 15 minutes a day with the award-winning ABC Reading Eggs. There's one-on-one lessons, fun games and exciting rewards based on scientific research and developed by Australian educators. Start your free 30-day trial now and get a free rewards sticker book to help your child track their progress. ABC Reading Eggs makes learning to read fun. Find out more at readingeggs.com.au slash ABC. On ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania, this is The Country Hour with Evan Wallace. Coming up to 25 minutes past 12... News and weather coming up shortly. Someone who has welcomed the inquiry with open arms is Taz Farmers President Ian Saw. He spoke to Meg Powell this morning. Well, look, just fantastic. Uh, we welcome this ACCC inquiry with open arms. It's something that uh, Taz Farmers and indeed all state farming organisations have been calling for for a long time. So, terrific. 
And realistically, what can this inquiry actually achieve? We've had uh, people on this show before pointing out these are private companies. We've got a relatively free market in Australia. What will this do? Well, I think the first thing, you know, the free market is a duopoly, basically. There are basically two major supermarkets, so that's half the problem. But look, you're right. I mean, it depends on the government's appetite on what they want to do with the findings of the ACCC inquiry. We've had inquiries before, and it annoys industry and certainly the farming organisations that the uh, recommendations end up being a doorstop behind ministers' doors. I think now the community have just had a gutful. They want to see some change. I think that the farming organisations want to see change, and I think there's an appetite for government to see change. So now's the time to do it, and certainly the state farming organisations, including Cass Farmers, will be making submissions to these inquiries as we're making a submission to the Senate Select Committee on Supermarkets um, pricing. We'll be making a submission to the ACCC inquiry, but more importantly, we'll be pushing for recommendations to be implemented and monitored. And what are those... Can you just run me through those main recommendations that you will be pushing for? Oh, look, we've, look we're just finishing off our very first inquiry. But, look, we see... I mean, the main issues for test farmers is the discrepancy between the farm gate price and the supermarket price. And, we've, look, we've seen that with, with milk, vegetables um, and meat. I mean, these are, these are staples. These are staples. These are really important staples for people. Um, and the price differential between the farm gate and supermarket is just wrong. Everyone knows that. We want to have a look at market concentration and the corporate power. Uh, we want to look at price setting between the supermarket chains. So, you know, we need more competition there. Um, there's the issue of profits, supermarket profits and the essential item prices. So, you know, we think that, you know, essential items, you just can't keep gouging. Um, and there's also the opportunistic pricing and the misleading discounts. So all the, the you know, the, the easy spin that supermarkets use when they're talking about discounts, etc., which isn't always the, always the case, they're deceptive discounts. So they're the five areas that our submissions and what we're going to be concentrating on. There's been inquiries before. There's been uh, plenty of action on, on this front because it's an issue that's been going on for a long time. In fact, I think there was a, an inquiry in 2008. Is this any different to what's happened already? Look, uh, no, except the issue is now is that I think there is an appetite uh, with government and industry farmers and the community to see change. But I think more importantly, the supermarkets, if you just take the issue of meat alone, Meg, we know that when the prices for meat fell through the floor 40%, there was not a corresponding drop on the supermarket shelves. So we know that. So I think now the appetite is there. Um, and clearly one of the main things that government has to do, this is an opportunity to look at competition policy. Um, we've got a duopoly now. What we need to do is to make sure in the first instance that there's more competition in the supermarket space. I mean, we know that when an Aldi or something comes around to one of the major supermarkets, there's always a drop in price. We need to see that, uh, you know, all over Australia, not just in two or three suburbs in the larger cities. Is it, is it too simple just to blame the supermarkets in a fairly complex situation? I guess, you know, we see politicians all the time. They like to have an easy answer that they can take action on and we've, we've dealt with the bad guys. Is that, is that too simple? Oh, look, I think it is too simple. Um, 
And I think it, you know, I think sometimes politicians and those people who want to have a go at the supermarkets look for those gotcha moments. This isn't the time for a gotcha moment. Um, we have to be able to understand. I think both sides of the equation have to understand the supply chain. But at the moment, we know that the supermarkets have got undue power over the farm sector. There's no doubt about that. We also know, you know, we've got, we've had um, people contacting me who are supplying supermarkets and the supermarkets, when they're doing business, want to see their books, they want to see the cost of business and they're now going out to 90-day terms, 90-day terms. Now, that's about four cycles of four retail cycles in that 90 days. It's extraordinary. So, you know, if you want to do business with a supermarket, you want to say, oh, well, I want to make CC if you're effective, Mr. Supermarket and efficient, open up your books for us. Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. So there's undue power there. And so this is why we need to have a look while the government needs to be looking at the same time competition policy to make sure that there's an even playing field. Where Tas farmers are concerned is that there's clearly some gouging going on um, it's been going on for too long. The government have recognised that we've got an ACCC inquiry and TAS Farmers will be pushing strongly for any recommendations have to be implemented. TAS Farmers President Ian Saw there pleased at the news the ACCC will investigate the pricing practices of supermarkets and particularly the relationship between retail and farm gate prices. What do you make of the announcement? 0438 922 Maggie, you're obviously very pleased that the inquiry is going to happen. You've said, go Albo, we need a watchdog for prices on everything fresh and necessary that goes in our mouth. But I have to say, when I see a trolley full of treats, I don't understand the grizzling that goes on. People do have to make a choice. Let the grocery stores run riot with the prices on chippies, lollies and soft drink. Hey Maggie, thank you very much for your text. Greg, you've said, I am not a farmer, but at least the announcement by Mr Albanese is an attempt to address some of the price increases at the consumer end. But I would like to see an inquiry into the behaviour of distributors and supermarket practices when the prices are set with the farmer and how the dairy industry can tell a co-op what it can and can't do. Greg, thank you very much for your message. A few more texts to get through, but let's say day to Will Murray with the news headlines. G'day, Evan. Hobart City Councillor Louise Elliott has confirmed she's been suspended for one month by a local government code of conduct panel. Councillor Elliott says she has appealed the outcome in the Magistrates' Court, but her suspension will remain in force, meaning she can't attend the next two council meetings. The US Federal Trade Commission has ordered several of the biggest technology companies to provide information on recent investments and partnerships involving generative AI and cloud services. OpenAI, Microsoft, Alphabet and Amazon have been asked to provide information on recent investments and partnerships. Deals among the small number of powerful big tech companies have raised antitrust concerns. And scientists are trying to identify the species of large turtle seen swimming along Hobart's waterfront yesterday. A family filmed the turtle while waiting for fish and chips on Constitution Dock. Large sea turtles can occasionally be seen along Tasmania's east coast following the East Australia Current. However, experts say it's extremely unusual to see one in the Derwent, but it may become more common as waters warm. I'll have more news at one, Evan. Well, I saw a picture of that turtle and it is an impressive animal, but it's pretty big. It's huge. It's huge. It's... um. I know that they occasionally get loggerheads, I think, up on the East Coast and they've been filmed by fishermen over the last couple of years. 
But to see one like they mentioned in the Derwent estuary is very unusual. And uh, I have to say a little bit concerning for those people who've been watching the extension of the East Australia current in recent years and the warming of the ocean currents further south along Tasmania, um, especially those who are involved in the giant kelp restoration project, because it's not good news for things like that if we warm up too much down here. Oh, some bigger questions attached to what would have been a, a very happy sighting for some people. But uh, yes, keeping a, a close eye on those trends. Will Murray, thank you very much and have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks, mate. Will Murray there with the news headlines. You're listening to The Country Hour with Evan Wallace from ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania. It is 26 minutes to one. So good to have your company this afternoon. Now, I know a lot of you are hanging out for the long weekend forecast. That means we need to say good afternoon to Brooke Oakley. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Good, thank you. That is very good to hear. It's a bit cloudier than yesterday where I am in Launceston around the state. How is it looking right now, Brooke? Well, the main thing for today and tomorrow is we have strong and gusty westerly winds. The strongest winds will be during the afternoon today and then again tomorrow during the afternoon and early evening. The winds have already increased across the state and we have seen widespread wind gusts of 60 to 70 kilometres per hour. Most of the wind gusts that are more than that have been about elevated sites, but Hobart and Grove have both received a gust of 80 kilometres per hour. And both today and tomorrow, while it'll be windy across the whole state, it'll be particularly gusty about southern and central parts and the far northeast. For rainfall, we've seen showers mostly about western Tasmania, and in the 24 hours to 9am this morning, the highest rainfall total is 26 millimetres at Mount Reed, followed by 24 millimetres at Darwin Dam and 17 millimetres at Mount Bobs. Since 9am, that rainfall has again been mostly about the west, with the highest total 10 millimetres at Mount Reed, followed by 9 millimetres at Strathgordon. There will be passing showers about the remainder of the state this afternoon and during the day tomorrow, but again, most of the showers will be about western Tasmania. With the really windy conditions, there are also high fire dangers for much of Tasmania today and tomorrow. Okay, so there are some dangers associated with that. In terms of planning the day, people might be wondering, okay, it's Saturday or a second day of our potential long weekend. Uh, Is it going to be a a lovely one across the state? But it really, or is it going to be quite variable from the sound of it? Well, we are expecting more settled weather from Sunday onwards and the temperatures will start to increase as well. So at the moment, the temperatures are relatively mild around the state with maximums today in the low 20s. By the time we get to Monday, the maximum temperatures should reach the high 20s for the eastern half of Tasmania and then those warm temperatures will persist for much of next week about the central north. So we look at some of those days in a little bit more detail. For Sunday, it's fine apart from showers about the west, mostly light, and the winds will have eased off after the really strong winds today and tomorrow. And then on Monday, fine apart from light showers about the west, and mainly fine on Tuesday as well, just some possible light showers about the west and the northeast. So most of the significant weather is happening today and tomorrow. Brooke, anything else that we need to know? 
There are a number of marine wind warnings current. Today, a gale warning for Banks Strait and Franklin Sound, east of Flinders Island, the southeast coast and the southwest coast. A strong wind warning for all remaining coastal waters, the inland lakes and all southeast inshore waters. And then tomorrow, a gale warning for all coastal waters except the Upper East Coast and a strong wind warning for the Upper East Coast, the inland lakes and all southeast inshore waters. And for those people who are interested in the marine forecast, the swells in the west and south today are a westerly of 3 to 4 metres, building to 4 to 5 metres during the afternoon. And the wave rider buoy at Cape Sorrel is currently reading 3.6 metres. In the north, a westerly of 1 to 2 metres. And in the east, a southerly to around 1 metre, although southwesterly 2 to 4 metres offshore in the south. There we go. Brooke Oakley, thank you very much. Thank you. Brooke Oakley there from the Bureau. Afternoons with Joel Reinberger. Damien Leith, how on earth are you brave enough to cover Roy Orbison? Oh, he was incredible. What a voice. It'd be great to start with It's Over, but it'd be a bit ironic. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking Tasmania. The man holding the big snapper is a mystery. I asked a guy about that and he said, oh, but there's some women that love a man holding a big fish, you know, because they might be women who enjoy fishing. Well, they're hungry. Joel <laughs> Reinberger. Weekdays from 1.30. Yeah, that's it. On ABC Northern Tasmania. The Country Hour with Evan Wallace on ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania. And you are telling me your thoughts on the 12-month inquiry into supermarket pricing practices that will also investigate the relationship between farm gate prices and consumer prices. Greg, um, thank you again for another message that you've sent through. You've said people defending all the supermarkets' operating costs, uh, the argument really doesn't stack up. The major two retailers are making record profits even during the height of COVID. Thank you very much for, for sending that one through. And another one from Stuart in Kingston. You said, Hi, Country Hour. I live in Kingston and there is a new shopping centre proposed near the Fork in the Roundabout. Coles have secured the major grocery store in the centre obviously due to their financial power. There is already a Coles in the centre of Kingston and two Woolworths. Does regulation of supermarkets need to be implemented? That is another brand of supermarket mandated to be put in new developments. Stuart and Kingston, thank you for that text. And Clint, I'm sorry that I won't be able to deliver on this one. You put in a a song request. Uh, You're based in Jetsonville. Hey, good tune. I do like a bit of Warumpi Stump Band. Uh, Fortunately, that's not something we can deliver on the country hour. But maybe, maybe you can potentially nudge Joel Reinberger after one. Anyway, do your best and see where you land. On ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania, this is The Country Hour with Evan Wallace. Coming up in the next half hour, a red imported fire ant has been detected in Tasmania's south and there are growing calls across the country for better management after a recent detection in northern New South Wales. We really need the community to continue the work that it's doing, identifying suspect nests and reporting them. You'll also meet a farmer who has used his tractor to emblazon a map of Australia in his paddock. Definitely piques the curiosity. Yeah, you can only really get a true um, sense of scale once you're up in the air. 
And we'll check in with Richard Bailey for all the latest stock prices. Now, you may have heard in the news that a red imported fire ant has been detected in Tasmania South. The pest, which poses significant risk to people, plants and animals, was found by Biosecurity Tasmania in an Australia Post parcel containing plant material from Queensland. Now, while red fire ants have been eradicated from most parts of Australia, there are still clusters in southeast Queensland and recently Recently, northern New South Wales. Last Friday, the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries detected red imported fire ant nest at Wardell, south of Ballina on the state's north coast. Invasive Species Council Advocacy Manager Reese Pianata told Michael Condon control efforts must be ramped up to stop the spread. Yeah, well, obviously every detection of fire ants is alarming, but particularly when it is, you know, uh, over 85 kilometres south of the Queensland border. Um, This uh, does show that there has been a containment breach. As far as we can tell, it was moved in a shipment of soil, which is one of the main ways that fire ants are being moved from place to place. Um, And, you know, it shows that we really need to step up efforts at containing and eradicating fire ants because um, ultimately eradication is the only way to protect Australia from uh, the worst impacts that fire ants will have. But at the moment, we're not really winning that fight. So we need to do some more. We need to redouble our efforts. But it may be the case that these fire ants have been here for some time before we had the lockdown, before we stopped the soil coming over from Queensland. Yeah, that's right. Um, at the moment, we don't know how long they've been there for. We're still waiting on the uh, genomic testing that the eradication program is doing. Um, and once they've done that, we'll know you know, whether they came directly from Queensland and how mature the, the nest is. So it's pretty alarming, but what it does signal to me is that there's probably other undetected fire ant nests in northern New South Wales, and we really need the community to continue the work that it's doing, identifying suspect nests and reporting them. Um, in this case, the gardener was attacked by fire ants, but he knew what to do. He, you know, They knew to report them, and were, that something was able to be done about that. We need to make sure that message is getting out because the community eyes on the ground are the most important part of dealing with fire ants. We're hearing from the National Party and uh, also David Littleproud, uh, Kevin Hogan, uh, saying that Labor's dropped the ball on this and it's their fault and they haven't done enough when the first incursion came came out. Um, what's your response to that? Should they have acted quicker or done something better? Or is, it, uh, or the, is this a historical problem? Well, fire ants have been underestimated for 20 years by governments, particularly in Queensland, which was leading a response on fire ants. And now we have a situation where they've spread to over 700,000 hectares in Queensland and several sites in New South Wales. So something hasn't gone right. But as far as we can tell, all of the experts are saying that it's still possible to eradicate fire ants, and we agree with that, but it's going to take significantly more resources than what we've currently committed. It's going to take a political commitment to eradicate fire ants. It needs to become a priority. So you need the Queensland government, you need the federal government, you need the New South Wales government all together. There's $180 million on the table from the national plan. Is that enough? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, The 2021 review of the program said that at least $200 million was needed per year for a decade, which is a lot of money. But if fire ants get out of control, there are $2 billion per year economic bill for our country. So... It's a big bill for agriculture too, a big bill for the cattle it's, industry, the cane industry. Yeah, yeah, production losses of up to 40% in agriculture. 
would be caused by fires if they get out of control. So what we're saying is let's spend the money now. Let's deal with these things. Otherwise, we've got a big bill coming our way forever if we fail. Do we need to have like boots on the ground, people actually searching for fire ants rather than just waiting for people to call it in and say, oh, I think I've been bitten by a fire ant? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, the community does have an important part to play by checking their property, but there do need to be the boots on the ground from the, the Department of Primary Industries, from the eradication program, going throughout the various places in New South Wales in particular, where materials have been brought in over the last 18 months from Queensland, because that's the risk that is being brought in, and that's how they're arriving. So, you know, it's not searching for a needle in a haystack. It's actually detective work that is required to track these things down. So maybe we need to look back at where deliveries were made from Queensland of soil and, and tra trace it back that way and then do preemptive strikes there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think, you know... And, and, there and are... in surrounding areas. That's right, yeah, nearby properties as well. Because it's the unknown nests out there at the moment that are growing and reproducing that are going to be the problem for fire and eradication over the next 18 months. Those undetected nests are going to keep growing while we're waiting for people to you know, find them and call them in. So we need to get on top of that. That's a priority. And that is Invasive Species Council Advocacy Manager Reese Pianta talking with Michael Condon. It is 14 minutes to one. Evan Wallace is my name. Great having your company this afternoon. And I hope that your day is going along very well. And if it's a long weekend for you, then you're enjoying the weather. If you're in a place where you can enjoy the weather, or just enjoying some low, mellow time as well. Help your child learn to read in just 15 minutes a day with the award-winning ABC Reading Eggs. There's one-on-one -on -one lessons, fun games and exciting rewards based on scientific research and developed by Australian educators. Start your free 30-day trial now and get a free rewards sticker book to help your child track their progress. ABC Reading Eggs makes learning to read fun. Find out more at readingeggs.com.au slash ABC. And we will be checking in soon with Richard Bailey for all the latest prices. But it is Australia Day, so I thought that this story was very, very fitting. There's a farmer in South Australia who has used his tractor's GPS system to turn his paddock patriotic with a map of Australia dug into the dirt. Harrison Schuster farms at Freeling and has been trialling using his GPS to draw pictures in the bear paddock with a sunflower last year making it all the way to Google Earth. Mr Schuster told Brooke Neindorf this latest work of art took some preparation. Uh, it was probably two hours of actual, actual field work and then plus the, uh, a few hours of prep work and experimentation before the fact. And so... What do you have to do to, to get the paddock prepared for this? So most of the, yeah, like I said, most of the, um, the time was in the prep work leading up to it. It was actually yeah, almost a hobby, experimenting with um, turning an image into something you can follow on the tractor GPS screen by hand. That was just a few hours, some nights after work. And so do you set it up on your, your GPS? Yes, yes. The, the tractor has a screen that um, shows you where you, are, where you are in the paddock and um, yeah, shows you where you are in the paddock and then yeah, you basically just trace the line and... Um, lift or raise and lower the implement as you need. This is a map of Australia with the, the flag on it. Uh, how big is it? I'd say that the paddock itself is 130-ish hectares, give or take. And this one, I think, oh, I think it was maybe, turned out to be maybe 50 or 60 hectares total. 
It, I mean, you've done other ones before. What, what other pictures have you had out in the paddock? Uh, last year was a sunflower, so that's actually that was on Google Earth for quite a few months. It actually still is. So we're hoping that we can get a flyover from one of the um, one of the satellites to sort of immortalise this for a year. That'd be quite um, quite special. Have people picked up on the uh, the sunflower and, and said, "Oh, I saw that on uh, on Google Maps." Yes, yes. So people, yeah, a few people have questioned, "Oh, is this uh, this is where the sunflower is?" So. That was sort of a, it was a coincidence of experiment, experimenting with GPS as a hobby, um, having a paddock the perfect shape for, for the country, and then having, um, having Australia Day come up as well. It helps, it helps put Freeling on the map as well. It, it can always, some people have thought of it as a bit of a pass-through town between two highways, but yeah, it sort of, it sort of puts us on the map a bit, which is, yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great town in a great country, and it's just, I don't know, it's, I've seen just from the, the comments just on, um, on Facebook that the reception's pretty good. And you've got your initials there. I'm assuming HS is for yeah. uh, for Harrison Schuster. Yes, just in case people didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> because there have, have been a couple of times where um, it's been posted and people are like, hang on, this is this is AI, especially nowadays. Yeah, that's right. There is a lot of talk with AI, so it, yeah. it definitely is out there, Harrison. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. for people that, that aren't farmers, they they can see the, the dark lines out there in the paddock. So you you plan it out. What what actually is that that dark line? That's um, so right before I started, it was a, a bare paddock, and then the lines are just uh, tilled, um, tilled ground, yep. just dirt. Yep. So there's nothing. It's it's probably an operation we we do anyway on some paddocks. So it's yeah, using existing machinery, just uh, performing an existing operation. Do you sort of know what it's going to look like once you're when you're out there, or do you have to wait till you can get up there and, and take a photo? You cannot tell from the from the road. It's um, it's very uh, yeah. The perspective just doesn't do it justice from the road. It just looks like a, a bit of a scramble out in the paddock of what's going on here. Definitely piques the curiosity. Yeah, you can only really get a true um, sense of scale once you're up in the air. So who took the photo up in the air? My brother. Yeah, yeah so he, he flew in a neighbour's plane um, probably two hours after after I tilled it in, just before sunset. And uh, you're pretty impressed with, with how it's turned out? Yes. I was yeah, pleasantly surprised. It's like opening a present. <laughs> and it, yeah. what's what's the next picture going to be, Harrison? I'm not sure. I've got some plans, but yeah, I figured this time yeah, it's just a perfect sort of um, perfect coincidence to get a hobby, the right paddock size, a um, and the flag, the best best place on earth. Freeling farmer in South Australia, Harrison Schuster, speaking with Brooke Neindorf, and you can see a photo of the map in the paddock at abc.net.au/rural. You're listening to The Country Hour with Evan Wallace from ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania. It is a Friday afternoon, and on a Friday afternoon, it means that we say a very good afternoon to Richard Bailey. How are you doing? G'day, Evan. How are you? Going along very well. Yes, uh, it is the day two in the hot seat, all hands on deck here, but having a lot of fun and uh, enjoying Australia Day. Are you enjoying Australia Day, Richard? My word, yeah, it's a very, very peaceful day, nice day, and uh, very proud to be part of Australia. Oh, very good to hear. Now, Richard, tell me, what is happening with interstate prices? Uh, what should we start with? How about we start with cattle? Sounds good. Um, actually, the, the whole, the, 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 the been very, very positive from a producer point of view, and although prices haven't moved as much as sheep and lamb, They've certainly moved, and um, there are some very good signs out there at the moment. A lot of the a lot of the cattle over the the three weeks of the of the gone up anywhere from five to ten cents, just about all markets, and it meant that yearly means are making anywhere from 
3.30 cents a kilo and heifers 2.60 to 3.20 cents. Um, but it's interesting when you get into the weaners, uh, the cattle going to the feedlots and back into the paddock to restockers, we've got just in the last week or so at places like Yay and Kiton and those weaner sales, we've seen prices nudge up, nudge up towards 400 cents a kilo and that's almost 100 cents more than where the prices were the first week of the weaner sales at Hamilton and Cass uh, in January. So that's really good. Great um, to bullet hear. prices to two to kilo with averaging over 300 cents while since bullocks have done that and cow market's been pretty strong right across the board um victoria and new south wales anywhere from two heavy cows anywhere from 240 to 280 cents a kilo um it's meaning that you know those cows getting up towards two thousand dollars a head again so that's um that's good value Oh, I'm sure there'll be people who are very, very happy to hear that news. Richard, should we take a, a look at lamb and sheep? Yeah, lamb markets, uh, well, you know, from the beginning of the year, the lamb market has, has been pretty strong. This week, it was up and down a bit. Um, just generally speaking, most of the yards were, well, at Ballarat, there were only half the number yarded from the week before, and a Wagga yesterday, the same. Uh, to do with uh, some wet conditions around, and I reckon there are some producers around that are probably have shorn lambs and are just waiting to, to finish them off. It's meant that most lambs are averaging around 700 cents a kilo. They, the, the word is the buyers don't like trying to get much higher than, than about 700 cents a kilo. But in places, particularly for trade lambs, we're up around 750 cents in that sort of bracket. And some of them, MK lambs, are very, MK lambs been Muslim cool lamb, which lambs which go to the Middle East, uh, they've been pretty strong, and they've been in the 650 to 700. It means a lot of lambs, um, you know, are making well, they're making sort of almost double what they were making early in the spring. So, from a producer point of view, that's terrific. Probably from an exporter point of view, they're just waiting to see what their clients overseas will think of these new prices. Um, and that'll probably tell us a few few little stories in the next month or two, I reckon. Um, you know, there are words that some of the exporters have perhaps just cut back their lamb killer and are killing a few more mutton. So that'll be interesting because the mutton market is also steadied around about that 300 cents a kilo. And to put that in perspective, in, in December, we were talking 100 cents a kilo. So, you know, that's, uh, that's another big jump and, and a very welcome jump because that that mutton job was pretty crook during the during the spring. Sounds like there's some good news in there for producers. Richard, I have to leave it there. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good on you, Evan. Thanks so much. That's Richard Bailey there bringing us the latest on all prices. Hi, it's Lucy Cutting, back for 2024. If the cricket's not rained out and you want another option, I'll be on the ABC Listen app and digital radio. This weekend, artificial intelligence and thousands of 19th century photographs. How the National Trust of Tasmania is harnessing new tech to shine light on the past. And what's on the menu? Seasonal recipes are back for this year. First stop is Flinders Island. From 10 on Sunday, with me, Lucy Cutting, on ABC Radio Hobart and ABC Northern Tasmania. I'm looking forward to hearing Lucy on the air or also on the ABC Listen app. But uh, someone who you'll be hearing from, well, in just a a few minutes' time, really, it is Joel Reinberger. Very good afternoon to you. 
Good afternoon to you, Evan. Yes, look, we're on the radio between 1.30 and 4, but the cricket takes over the AM and FM bands between 2.30, or from 2.30, basically. Uh, so, so, uh, But we're still around for that, so you just have to listen to us digitally. So digital radio, the ABC Listen app, Channel 25, or on your, on your TV, or on your PC, any of those digital ways you can still keep track of us. We're going to be talking about some of the jobs you have to do when someone you love passes away. Have you ever had to deal with that, Evan? Yes, uh, I have. There's a lot that's involved. I mean, the number of things that can emerge that you'd never thought of in terms of uh, paperwork, records, photos, packing up someone's house. Uh, the yeah, how, how many different people do you need to send a death certificate to? The electricity people, the phone people, the internet provider, everyone, the bank, everyone wants a copy of that and a copy of the you know, executive ship of the will. And it's, it's a huge palaver. So we're going to talk about a few of those things. Now, one of them, this is a new business called Compassionate Clearing, which is about that emptying of the house. That often, you know, the person who's the executor of the, of, of the will is a family member and is completely emotionally fraught. And they, you, you, have you ever heard of uh, decision fatigue? Yes, uh, and uh, look, it's uh, not something that you want to be experiencing, is it, Joel? Yeah, yeah. like, you know, there's only so much glucose in your brain for having the energy to do these things. And so making decision after decision and then following up with all the stuff you've got to do, these people come in and do that for you. Okay, what do you want to do with the furniture? Oh, give it to a charity. Great, I'll do that. And they organise the charity to turn up and take it away and you don't have to think about it anymore. So I think it's a great initiative. And and, and at that time, you could be feeling really down, flat, a lot of trauma that can be associated with these points of time. So having a helping hand then could be uh, immensely useful. And they can also say, you know what, here's personal items that's too much to make a decision about. I'm going to hire your storage for a month and put it away. And you can come back in a month and look at it again or just pay another month of the storage. So lovely idea. Now, the other thing you have to do is write an obituary. And more and more often, that's on social media. Um, And look, there are some awful obituaries around. Recently, I've seen a couple on social media of people just absolutely panning the dead relative, which is not on really. (laughs) Um, uh, But there's also been some, some glorious ones, some really good ones, some really honest ones. Uh, so we're going to talk to a professional obituary writer. I never knew there was such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, look I, I have done a couple for the ABC in my time. So when somebody who is known to the ABC, who's a bit famous or regular on the station or whatever, gets frail and old or gets uh, ill, often someone is given the job, write an obituary, get it prepared so when it happens we're ready to go and we can publish it half an hour after we get news. So we're going to talk to a professional obituary writer about how to do that right and I'd love to hear your example of a great line from an obituary if you have one of those today. So that's all ahead from one thirty, Joe Reinberger? Indeed, on Afternoons. Very good. Hey, thank you for that. That's going to be a very interesting listen. Thank you so much for your company on the Tasmanian Country Hour. Evan Wallace is my name. We'll be back again on Monday. I'll be here keeping you company. But up until then, enjoy the sounds of Joel. And uh, potentially, if you're a cricket fan, the cricket a little later on this afternoon too.